0: as children of God, we should not look like the world. Although we are in this world, we're not of this world. So we should not blend in, we should not look. There should be something on the inside of us guys that distinguishes us from everybody else. When people see you, have you ever had someone to say, There's something about you. There's something different about you. They see something. Did you change your hair? Did you you color your hair? What did you do differently? What they are identifying is there is something distinct on the inside of you that makes you different than everybody else they see. And all they are seeing is the glory and goodness of God that is oozing out of your life, and they are identifying it. They just can't put words to it. But you and I should not look like the world looks. Okay, maybe I need to remind you. You and I should not be responding right now in the times we in like the world is responding. If you are full of fear, you are drawing what you are afraid of to you. So this morning, I am going to preach faith to you so that you can be built up in faith. The Bible says faith comes by Hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we got to hear the word of God so that we can be in faith. We know that there are things going on. We're not discounting that. But those things should not move us. They should not move us. See, I still only got four of you agreeing with me. Some of you moved. They ain't nowhere to move to because it's worldwide. This is worldwide. It's a pandemic going on worldwide. At what point are you going to believe the word of God? Either this, world, either this word will be your anchor and will anchor you in regardless of what's going on or you're going to be filled with unbelief. I choose to believe. I am a believer. So I choose to believe the word of God. The word of God is my final authority in life. The word of God has the answers for my life, praise God. Thank God for everyone else, but I choose to believe the word. So so we can't just blend in as children of God. We got to make sure that there's a distinguished difference about us. We are to be different in this world that we live in. And your difference in the world should not take you and I out of the world. It should make us different within the world. We should be easily identified by others. Not because we wear a nice cross. Not because they read the bumper sticker and it's got a little Christian message on it. You should be different when you're at work, praise God. You should be different when you go grocery shopping. You should be different on the job. You should not look like your coworker and act like your co-worker on the job. Something should be different from you if you are a child of God. What distinguish you from everybody else? Or are you just like everybody else? Right now, it's, it's popular to be a Christian because you can be a Christian and label it with anything else with it. I choose to upgrade or or level up. As Isaiah said, I choose to level up and say, I'm a believer. I don't want to just be known as a Christian. I want to be known as a believer because there's way too many people that identify as Christian and it doesn't line up with Christ-likeness. So if you are a believer and you just happen to be a teacher, you're not just to satisfy educational authority. You should be satisfying the the headmaster, which is Christ. So the children's experiences with you should be different than any other teacher. I should have, all my educators, I think a couple of you in the room should have said amen right there. Praise God. You should be different. If you are looking like and being like everybody else on the job, something's wrong, child of God. You have just denied the greatest part of who you are. Should not be fitting in just because you on the job. So just because I'm a teacher, if you, are, if you are a doctor, if you are a doctor, you will not regard a sick person as a case. You will regard that individual as a person. You just happen to be a believer that is a doctor. But I'm not going to deny who I am in order to make you feel comfortable. If I'm a believer, I'm a believer full time. Hello, some of us take the title believer off and sit it down because of the crowd we're with so they can be comfortable. Why not be a believer in the crowd? I'll, get, I'll come to, um, down your row in a minute. I'll get to you. Go to Ephesians chapter number one. You guys know the text. We've been reading from Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 12. We've been reading from there, and we've been talking about this particular six section of the word because there's something that took place. A believer, a, a, the Bible says that we should be blameless. Everybody say blameless. blameless. Mm-hmm. We should be Blameless. The word blameless in the Greek is from the word amamos, which was a sanctif sacrificial word. Any sacrifice that was offered to God was thoroughly checked out for blemishes. God could not receive a sacrificial offering that had blemishes on it. It had to be perfect. The offering had to be perfect. When you give your tithes and offering, offerings, you should be giving God your very best. When you are worshiping the Lord your God, you should be worshiping your very, with your very best. When you are serving the Lord your God, you should be serving with your very best. You don't give God some second-class thing. He wants the very best of who we are, the very best of who we are. So as children of God, we don't just offer God stuff that's scarred, scarred, things that's marred already. We give him our very best. As children of God, we're to be perfect and not make excuses why we can't become that. Amen. The Bible says, be ye perfect as he is perfect. Now I want you to look at in in chapter 1, I want you to look at these two verses, Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. Maybe I'll be able to get you a, a little more attention from you when you hear this. Verse five, having predestined us to adoptions, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Everybody look up and say, I am accepted. accepted. Come on, say it one more time. Say, I am accepted. accepted. Therefore, you don't need to have to fit in somebody's click in order for you to feel good about you. You are accepted in the beloved, and that makes you top dollar. That makes you the very best there is. So you are already accepted. But but the word that jumps out of this text that I want you to focus on is the word adoption. The word adoption. To be adopted is legally made the son or daughter of someone other than a biological parent. My, 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 my. Legally made the son or daughter of someone other than a biological parent. That is what it means to be adopted. And the Bible says that we have become his sons because of adoption. Say, I am adopted. adopted. Come on, don't be scared. Say it like you mean it. Say, I am adopted. It is a beautiful thing for you and I to have been adopted into the family of God. I thank God for my birth parents who got me into this world. But I thank God he didn't just leave me in that family. He has something much more on his mind for me. And he didn't leave me just in that bloodline. He now placed me in his bloodline through adoption. Watch this. Adoption means used or chosen in place of or in preference to an original. My, 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 my. Used or chosen in place of, or in preference to an original. I love the fact that it used the words chose because our series, our subject is about being chosen. Last week we said we've been chosen. Now watch this. You and I through adoption, through adoption, there was not an original. Jesus was the original. He was the original son. Jesus was the original. But because you and I have been adopted into the family of God, watch this, we've been chosen and we've been given preferential treatment than the original. My God in heaven. So there are things that Jesus was able to receive that you and I get preferential treatment to get. Why do you think Jesus went around making statements like, and greater works than these shall you do? You preferred over, you preferred when you're in this earth to do greater than I've done because of the preference God has preferred us. I don't know about you, but God has preferred me over others. <laughs> That's just favor on my life. God's preferred me over others, and therefore I'm not braggadocious about anything that I am, because I know it's God's grace on my life, but He did prefer me. He didn't leave me who I was. He adopted me in his family and has made me something I never thought I would be. Are you hearing me? So you should be excited that you have been adopted into the family of God. Watch this. Based on this principle alone of adoption, in the eyes of the law, the child is a new person. Oh, can you just say I'm brand new? new. Do you believe you're brand new? Do you act like you brand new, or do you act like you still the old you? Uh-huh. Do you act like you brand new, or do you act like you're the old you? The Bible says that you are brand new. Watch this. That brand new person. All their debts and obligations were abolished, as if they never existed. Oh, praise God! That's me. <laughs> That's me. God has abolished all my debts. God has abolished everything that I owe. God is responsible to take care of me because he adopted me. Glory to God. Therefore, I don't tremble. I don't trip about what's going on in the world or what's going on with me. Listen, my father who is in heaven is responsible to care for me on earth. And if he don't take care of his son, he's going to look real bad. This is my confidence I have in him. See, you can have that type of conversation when you have confidence in who your father is and who God is. And you know that God is not a man that he should lie, nor will he play games and say, psych. No, he don't play those games. He don't play those games. So that means, God, you're responsible for, responsible for me. You adopted me, and when you adopted me, I had big debt. Yeah, I'm so glad that you own it all. Some of you all, come on, some of you've been in school, some of you've been in school, and you've incurred debt, and you don't forgot you've been adopted, so you still think you're responsible to pay all that debt. Why don't you just talk to your father and say, Dad, I got a bill. Dad, I got a bill. And this bill is too big for me to handle. Since you're my father and you adopted me and I am your favorite child. Can you handle this bill for me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh, so you and I have to realize this is what God has done for us. He's taken care of our debts and obligation and abolished them like they never existed. Say so that's, that's for me. Now here I'm getting you caught up where I am with the 830 service, if you would go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 9, this is where the title that I told you, you get to choose which title you choose to use based on 1 Samuel chapter 9. Now, what I want you to notice in 1 Samuel chapter number 9, God chose Saul. God had chose Saul. As a matter of fact, oftentimes we start and we talk about David a lot, but before David was chosen, he had chosen Saul. And as a result of Saul's actions, as a result of some of Saul's behavior, uh, Saul disqualified himself. Mm-hmm. Saul disqualified himself. And, and, and because Saul was so unaware of the value of his being chosen, he had some actions that allowed him to disqualify himself. You and I are the only ones that can cause us to be disqualified. It doesn't matter how your neighbor feel. It doesn't matter how the community feel about you. When God has chosen you and selected you and placed a mark upon you, nobody else can remove it. But you can. You can. You can disqualify yourself based on your behavior or your actions. My goal, my goal today is for you and I to avoid the things that could disqualify us from being uh, God's choice. Watch this. In 1 Samuel 19, looking at verse number 17. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man of whom I spoken to you, this one shall reign over my people. Now, I want you to watch this and check this out. Could you imagine God dropping down in the earth, in your community, swoop down, swoop in, and decides to tell everybody and announce to them, there they are the person i was talking to you about that's them right there i chose them i chose them i don't like it god that you chose i ain't ask you for permission to choose them i chose them anyway i chose them now could you imagine if god has announced to everybody i told you whenever a pronouncement is made is made your enemy takes notice as well So here it is. God lets it be known that this is the one. I was talking about him, Saul. That's who I was talking about. I chose Saul. Now watch this. There are some reasons. There are three reasons that I want to give you that you may be you may disqualify yourself. And I don't want you to go through that, but I think it's important for us to take notice of it and watch what it is that Saul did in his life that caused him to be disqualified even after being chosen. You did say last week you've been chosen, right? Come on, how many of you have been chosen? Raise your hand. Let me see your hands if you've been chosen. Okay, so all of you have been chosen. The only person that can disqualify you is you. So let's learn some things about what it is. The first thing that will cause you to be disqualified from being chosen is your perception of yourself. Your perception of yourself. How you see yourself is the thing that can get you disqualified from being chosen. In verse number 21, uh, same chapter, number 9, verse 21, and Saul answered and said, watch this, after God has announced him being the choice, here is Saul's response. Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin, why then do you speak like this to me? Notice some of his conversations. I'm a Benjamite. In other words, I'm not of the right stuff. I'm black. I'm Hispanic. I'm white. I'm this. I'm that. I'm not of the right stuff. I'm a Benjamite. God, you sure? I'm the smallest. I don't even have any credentials. I didn't even graduate high school. God, did you forget I just got out the penitentiary a year and a half ago? God, did you forget I had a child out of wedlock? Everybody say, he knows. He know you didn't graduate high school, he knows. He knows you still smoke, he knows. He knows you had the child out of where like he knows. You're not telling God something he doesn't know. He knows you from the smallest tribe. He knows. If he wanted somebody that was more important than that, he would have selected them. But he wanted you. He wanted you that was born on the other side of the tracks. He wanted you. He was elevating or leveling up you. Watch this, watch this. He goes on to say, God, you're speaking to me like I'm important. He did not even see any value in himself. And so he was devaluing who God was saying he was. You need to be careful when your perception is you're going to devalue God's creation. Are you hearing me? In the Living Bible, the Living Bible it reads this way, Pardon me, sir, Saul replied. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families of the tribe. You must have the wrong man. Now, Saul's going to tell the prophet, you got, God got the right, wrong one. You got the wrong one. I ain't the dude he's looking for. But he was the man that God wanted. God never asked us, watch this, God never asked you and I to be qualified when we were chosen. He really just asked you and I to respond to being the choice. How many of you chose to respond? See, you don't have to have it already worked out in your head. You don't already have to know how God's going to get you qualified. All you have to do is say, God, I'm willing. And because I'm willing, God will qualify me just because I'm willing. I don't have to know how he's going to do it. I don't have to know when he's going to do it. All I know is he's going to do it because that's the God that he is. And there are things that God's going to do in your life and that people are not going to believe that God did these things for you because they're going to think you don't qualify. You're going to get promotions that other people thought they should have received and they how did you get it and you don't qualify? You don't even have a degree in the field. Because you basing it on degrees and I'm basing it on favor. I have the favor of God on my life. So God will always qualify those he's chosen. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know the one that knows everything. Anybody know the one that knows everything? If you know the one that knows everything, that puts you in knowledge of everything, praise God. I know the one who knows it all. So you don't have to continually give God your old historical resume. You act like God is making future decisions based off your old historical resume. God's not even looking at your old resume to determine if he's going to use you. He's already decided that he's chosen you, so he already said, I'm going to use you. So why do you keep looking at the resume? Reminding yourself. You ain't reminding God. Well, God, I don't fit. God, I don't, I don't, I don't speak eloquent enough. God, I don't have this. God, I didn't do that. God knows, yet he still chose you. So you got to settle for yourself. Relinquish holding on to your own perspective. There's a young man, there was a young man that uh, uh, he had received a prophetic word that one day he was going to travel the world ministering the gospel. So this young man received that word. He went home that night and he then packed himself a bag. He packed his luggage and on the next morning he woke up, he grabbed his luggage, he grabbed his briefcase, he got in his car, he drove himself to the airport parked the car, got out of the car, went into the airport, went to one of the airlines, went up to the ticket gate, and looked and noticed all the flights that was leaving out, saw it, then turned around, went back to his car, got in his car, and drove home. He did that for months. And on a few weeks later, a few weeks later, an invitation came in. He received an invitation, so he packed his bags, got his briefcase, got in his car, went to the airport, parked his car, went into the airport, went to the ticket counter, got his ticket, and boarded the, pa- the plane to go preach the gospel. That happened because he chose to mix faith with the word that he had received. Mm. When are you going to act on God's word like you believe that God's word is true in your life and that it will come to pass? When are you going to mix faith with it? Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. When are you going to mix faith with by a stripe you are healed? When are you going to mix faith with all your needs are met? When are you going to mix faith with no weapon formed against you will prosper? When are you going to mix faith with that and act as though the word is so? Are you hearing me? This young man, he mixed faith with it and it did, and it then produced for him. How many of you recognize you can mix faith with anything that you receive from God's word or from a man or woman of God by word, watch this, you can mix faith with it and it doesn't cost you anything you'll at least still have what you got now. Some some of y'all are going to get that when y'all go home. You can mix faith with it right now, and it doesn't cost you anything because what you got is what you already got. So you're not losing the mixed faith. But what if you gain? What if your faith start producing things for you that you didn't really think was possible? It doesn't cost you anything to mix faith. So the first thing... Watch your perception of yourself. The second thing you and I have to do is watch the pride of position. Everybody say, the pride of position. How many of you remember Lucifer? Lucifer was solely responsible as the worship leader of heaven. Lucifer was responsible to lead worship in heaven. And one day, one day, Lucifer, all on his own, decided that he was going to slide over to another position. Lucifer decided, what I am receiving right now, what I'm responsible for right now, is not enough for me. So I'm going to slide just a little bit over. And now Lucifer began to receive for himself what was only supposed to belong to God. And the Bible says, immediately, we saw Lucifer fall from heaven like lightning. My, 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 my. Immediately. The moment he got in the wrong position, the moment he got pride in his heart and now began to try to sit in a position that he was not qualified to be in, he fell from heaven like lightning. By the way, it is foolish, guys, it is foolish to sit up under somebody who once had oil on them but no longer are dripping and allow them to determine the word that you're going to receive for your life. You need to be cautious of who gives you the word because the word is for your life and where your destiny is taking you. And you don't want to be under the person that has no oil on them. They have no grace or anointing. So here it is. Lucifer gets out of position. And he now this pride, you heard the saying, pride goes before the fall. That is directly related to Lucifer. Pride goes before the fall. Watch this. 1 Samuel 13, chapter 13. Go over, make a right turn real quick. And I'm going to let you go back and read the story from verse 7 through 14. Verses 7 through 14. I want you to take a look at that. Just check that out on your own. But Saul had been selected king. He had been appointed to be the king of Israel. Samuel gave Saul an instruction regarding the victories that they were about to achieve. And however... He was needing Saul now to wait for him. He told Saul, Saul, I need you to wait for seven days. Wait for seven days. And when I show up, you and I, we're going to give God a peace offering and we're going to give God a burnt offering. And if you read the story, the people began to scatter. So now pressure is on Saul because the people are scattering. He now started fearing the Amalekites or the, or the um he started feeling those that were about to come against them, the Amalekites. And he was, he was anticipating being attacked at Michmash. And he was like, no, what is going on? The Philistines are now coming down at us. And as a result of the pressure, Saul now steps over in a position and he offers the burnt offering himself. Saul is a king. He's not of the priesthood. Hmm. Saul is a king, and he's not of the priesthood. Kings do not handle priestly duties. So Saul now gets in disobedience. Watch this. It appears as though he's in disobedience to the prophet. But the prophet got the word from God. So he is now in disobedience to God based on the word the prophet gave. So here it is. The prophet is now coming to Saul and Saul is all excited so he runs out to greet Samuel what's up Samuel what's up boy I'm so glad you're here and Samuel responds is what is this you've done Samuel was real serious he wasn't all as excited as Saul was what have you done Saul and Saul was like well, man, you know, look, 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 you know, the people start to scatter, man, and, and they were tripping, so I had to do something. And, and then the, here it was, the, the Philistines was coming down about to attack, so I had to do something. So I gave God a burnt offering, I offered it to him. And Samuel said, Saul, that was foolish of you. I want you to check, take notice of this, if you would. Look at verse number 13. And Samuel said to Saul. You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Did you hear that? God's intention was to establish Saul's kingdom forever. That there would be someone from Saul's lineage ruling over Israel. But as a result of his disobedience, verse 14 But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Here's what I need you to be aware of. It is very important for you. Please do not allow yourself to get so prideful in a position that you are placed in to then do things that you're not anointed or qualified to do. Because if you do, you may disqualify your lineage. You, getting out ahead of God, can cause you to disqualify every generation coming after you. Why should your children's children and their children pay the price that they didn't even do anything when it was just because of you? Everybody say, not me, not me, not me. Come on, we're getting ready to go home, we're getting ready to go home. So here it is. Regardless of what it looks like, you got to learn how to wait on God sometime. Regardless of what other people say, you wait for God. Fear would make people do some real silly stuff sometimes. There's things that people just choose to do themselves. They don't consult God on it. They don't want to hear from the leadership God appointed. Oh, praise the Lord. How foolish of us to keep trying to run a business when you're not asking God about the business. How foolish of us to try to get in relationships and have relationships that we're not talking to God about being in the relationship. Oh, come on. You call yourself a believer, but you don't want to consult the one you believe in. You think because you're grown, you're capable of handling it all on your own. All on my own. Don't be foolish like Saul. Don't be. There are things that you and I need to make sure that we're consulting God about. It's foolish for us to continue to do things because one person's disobedience calls their future generations from ruling. The third thing, first thing, you want to be mindful of your own perception. The second thing, watch the pride of position. The third thing, you have to watch for partial obedience. Watch for partial obedience. Can you say that? Partial obedience. Here's what I want you to know. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. Partial obedience is still full disobedience. Sometimes children do things partially that their parents ask them to do. But I obey what you ask me to do. Partially. Which means you fully disobeyed. Y'all didn't want to say amen right there. Praise God. Okay. Watch this. As a result of all all that Saul had gone through, Saul still reigned over 40 years after he disobeyed God. Now watch this. While Saul was exiting, God had already anointed another. And the one he anointed was a kid. (laughs) The kid wasn't even ready to handle the call, but the kid was anointed. And the oil was poured on him. And how many of you know you better follow where the oil is leaking from? Uh, you better follow the line that the oil is leaking from if you want to receive things. So here it is. Here it is. Watch this. Forty years Saul continued to rule, but he was, his effectiveness was gone because there was no grace on his life. The Lord had lifted it off him, and, he had, and it had been given to another. It is very dangerous for us to be in the lead position, yet there is no oil on our life. Be wise enough to remove yourself if you know you don't have oil on you. Hello? Don't stand in the way of somebody else with the oil on them taking the lead when you one time was anointed. But for whatever reason, that oil is not only just step aside and let somebody else lead the way there. Here's this thing about partial obedience. Go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. We're going home. Mm -mm -mm Mm-mm-mm-mm. First Samuel 15. In first Samuel 15, Samuel had given Saul some complete instructions on what he needed to do. He told him to go utterly destroy men, woman, children, oxen, everything. Go kill it all. Everybody say kill it all. That's exactly what he told them to do. But you will see if you will look, begin with verse number six and read through verse, verse number nine. I'm going to allow you to do that. You'll see that wh- he, when he did, what he did, he, began to, he hold, held on to one king. And then all the important stuff, all the significant stuff, things of importance, he decided they will hold on to it. But that wasn't the instruction that he was given. He was given the instruction to kill it all and burn it all up. But he held on to it. As a result of holding on to it, I want you to see what now happens to God as a result. In verse number 10, verse number 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, this is God talking to Samuel. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. Guys, look up. Could you imagine after God has told everybody, oh, I chose them, I chose you, I chose you, I chose you, I chose you. And now God says, I completely regret. I completely regret that I chose them, that I called them out, I put my hands on them. I completely regret because they do not follow my commandments. That's very strong language, guys, very strong language. I need you, if you would, you got more homework. I need you to continue to read through the verses there, through the verses there, and and read all the way up to uh, about verse 26. Just read read that story. It'll bless your life. Why am I asking you to do it? Because I don't have time to cover it, praise God. But watch this, watch this, watch this. (laughs) Here it is, God is in regret over the choice he had made. I don't want God regretting. Choosing me, praise God. Is there anything, we're getting ready to go. You can stand up if you like. Is there anything God has told you not to do and you have done everything except? I gave you permission to stand. You wasn't wrong, Sarah, st- for standing. Stand up. They'll follow your lead, praise God. They'll follow your lead. Let me ask that question. Don't, I, I want you to hear my question. Hear my question. Is there anything that God has told you not to do And you have done everything except that thing God has told you. I told you I don't want you going over there. And you get in your car and you say, well, I won't go over there, but I'm going to just drive by and see what's happening. You're going to do except. I told you I no longer want you talking about that in public. Well, I ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to just pick up the phone. I'm going to give so-and-so a call. He told you not to talk about it. We have to mature where we don't partially obey God, but we fully obey God because in your disobedience, you might be disqualifying generations to follow you. And you may keep them from ruling and reigning, All because you wouldn't obey a commandment from God. I know that there's a lot going on in life. I know there's a lot going on in the earth. I know that there's a lot going on and people are feeling anxious. People are feeling anxiety about a lot of this that's going on with the coronavirus. Schools have been closed. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know what decisions the government's going to make. Listen to me. Please answer me this. Why are you looking to our president to make decisions that you would find to be wise? I'm not hating on our president. I respect his office. I respect that God has placed him there. I respect all that. But why would I look to a president who has proven himself over and over and over again that he don't know how to say the right things out his mouth? So why would I now look to him to be the one to give me the encouragement I'm looking for? My help don't come from the White House. My help comes from the Lord. So I am not looking to the White House to give me the help that I need. I'm looking to the throne of heaven and I'm asking God, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us. Lord, you said in your word, no weapon formed against me would prosper. I believe you at your word. You're not a man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you would ever have to repent. So, God, you can't play games. Even with the coronavirus going on, you can't play games with me. You're my Lord and my Savior. You're my rock, a solid rock in whom I trust. Pastor Candy read to you Psalms 91. All of you go ahead and stand. All of you go ahead and stand if you can. I want to just read a couple of verses of scripture to you. Rick, you have my phone, sir? You have my phone? In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, God began to give something very important, very important. How uh, many you have that song halfway? You? you? can play that last song that I sent you softly in the background for me. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, watch this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Guys, what if it's God's will that he would slow his hand of judgment so that others who are in fear of this coronavirus would have opportunity to get saved? We're about to go home, so I'm going to say it anyway. Y'all start my car in case they get mad and want to throw rocks. But that, see how only two or three of you clap like that? That's how selfish the church is. We're not concerned about the lives of other people. We're so self-consumed. We are here for others, man. We are here for others. You know in whom you trust. You know in whom you believe. I pray that anyway. You shouldn't be in fear. You can turn that up a little bit. You can turn that up a little bit, sir. I just want to read you something. I heard this gentleman praying and I heard this prayer being prayed and he used a word that I never heard before. He used the word nosophobia. Nosophobia. Anybody heard that word? I had never heard that word. Larry, you heard that word? Praise God. I had never heard that word before. And that word, nosophobia, means irrational fear of contracting a disease. Nosophobia. Irrational fear of contracting a disease. How many of you know? It is irrational for you and I as a child of God to have fear of sickness and disease. That is irrational for us to think that God will put a virus on us to get our attention. God doesn't use sickness or disease on his children. He doesn't use weapons to harm his children. That is not the God we serve. We serve a God that loves us care deeply about us and that's so important I just want to read you this this last scripture because I think it encourages you as we go we don't know what's going to come we don't know what's going to come next I'm going to just share my heart with you I would not be surprised if our nation does not decide to quarantine the whole nation because in order for them to get a hold of this thing And to limit the exposure, just like all the other nations had to, they had to quarantine. And when quarantine starts to happen, people are going to get fearful. They're going to, and you and I need to be in position like the people of God that we are. We are like the sons of Issachar, and we know what we ought to do. You should be prepared to house other people and feed them. You been in the stores stores are emptying like this with supplies so a lot of stores Wednesdays and Fridays that's when they get shipments. just so you know Wednesday and Friday a lot of stores get shipments. just so you know in case you need to go get something but you and I should be equipped I met with our staff this past week I said guys listen to me this was on Wednesday Wednesday I shared with them I said I am anticipating that the schools are going to close all the schools But we have families we have people in our communities that need the school system in order for their children to have food in order for their children to be in a safe place while they go to work we got to now have a strategy in mind god placed us here not just to be some church we can come into on sunday he placed us in a community So that if this community needs us, I don't have to figure out, God, how you going to do it. God, if we got to feed everybody in the community, I don't have to know how God's going to do it. All I know, I'm saying, God, we're willing to do it. We're willing to do it. And I know if we're willing, God say, I'll supply. I'll supply all you need. I'll supply. This is the scripture I want you to leave with. This is from the Passion Translation. Psalms 112, verse number 6. Their circumstances will never shake them, and others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are firm, ever secure in their faith. Steady and strong, they will not be afraid, but will calmly face their every foe until they all go down in defeat. Pastor is here to announce to you. Coronavirus will be going down in defeat. It will not come near you. The Bible says a thousand may fall at your left, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. What are you going to believe? Whose report do you believe? I choose to believe. The report of the Lord, every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for your great grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the majestic God. You're the almighty God. You're the all-powerful and all-knowing God. And I thank you, Lord God, that coronavirus has a name. And everything with a name in the earth and under the earth has to bow at the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the blood of Jesus that covers and governs our lives, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you were not surprised, that you're still sitting on your throne, God, and you're still releasing your anointing and your grace to destroy the yokes and remove the burdens. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that your people are secure in you Because in you we live and move and have all of our existence. Therefore, I shall not fear. I shall not be afraid. Yes, I will walk in wisdom. But I will not govern my life or live my life by fear. I will operate by faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Father, thank you for faith to conquer everything that comes our way. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Excited that God has chosen to be with us to uh, allow us to have this. Family, if you don't mind, just hit some hearts there. Give me a little love. Let me know you had a good time of worship and praise at your home this morning. I pray that your family has created an atmosphere. For God to show up and for God to move. Now, I want you to prepare your hearts to receive the word of God that he has given us this morning. You know, we have been spending the past few weeks talking from the subject called chosen. Everybody say, I'm chosen. chosen. Yeah, type that, type that, type I'm chosen. Yes, you want to remember that you are chosen. So this morning, our title is Chosen to Function chosen to function you wasn't just chosen to be here you were chosen to function in life and i don't want you to allow anything to stop you from functioning the way that god has designed you to function he preordained he foreknew how he was going to need to use you so he has chosen you to function if you have your bibles or devices you're using for a Bible thank you team thank you so much if you have your Bibles or devices you're using for a Bible if you don't mind turning if you would to 1 Peter chapter number 2 1 Peter chapter number 2 that's where we're going to begin that's where we are I know some of my incredible students out there some of you have been wondering when is pastor going to get to this text well we're here now praise God we're here now, and so we're going to deliver this text to you at this time. Let me know when you're there just by, uh, for amen. Why don't you hit some hearts? Let me know some hearts are coming through so that I know you have scrolled to or you have gotten to First Peter. You've turned in your actual Bible to 1 Peter chapter number 2. Yes, yes. Give me some hearts. Give me some hearts there. Let me know. That signifies your amen for me. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's hold our Bibles up or devices we're using for a Bible. Let's hold them up. We're going to make our confession of faith. Then we'll get right into the word. Say it after me. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I have what it says I have. Today I receive the word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same as I receive. The incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God, I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, I'll never be the same. I come in agreement with your confession of faith. In Jesus' name, glory to God. I am so glad, again, that you have chosen to join us and be with us this morning online. I have a little uh, live audience with me, so thankful for those of you who would come on out. We're going to begin reading, just for context, in verse number 4, 1 Peter 2, verse number 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Aren't you glad that you'll never be put to shame, praise God? Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. Now here's where I need you to lock in with me. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Are you not glad for God's mercy in your life? Amen. For God's grace that he has bestowed upon each one of our lives. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I want you to know this text is so full of some unbelievable topics that we could choose to address this morning. However, we're going to stay focused. We're not going to venture out and take a bunny trail. We're going to stay focused and lock in. And I really want you to hear my heart in this very first thing I'm about to say. This is not where we're going to spend our time, but I'm, I'm going to be speaking to some people directly that are out there. And I want you to hear my heart. I am not pointing any fingers. I am not trying to cast any stones nor bring any condemnation. Listen to my heart in this. okay? please hear my heart. Those of you who choose to do church in isolation. You may want to look back at verse number five and check it out a little closer. That's all I'm asking you to do. Look back at verse number five and check it out a little closer. Because I want you to fully understand a single brick or a stone all by itself does no good. Until it is incorporated into being a part of a building, then that stone has great use. So you can't do this in isolation. You have to be a part of somebody Are you hearing me? Come on. Just give me a little love. I know. I know that's a little hard. That's a little tough. That might be the toughest thing you hear this morning, but we're going to go ahead and get to where we want to be. All right. Stay with me. Stay with me. Let's keep moving. Our key verse that we're going to be looking at and that we're going to be studying from is verse number nine. Verse number nine. And I want you to pay attention real closely and I want you to follow my lead. Follow me. Watch this. Say this. uh, But you are. Say I am. A chosen generation. Come on, you might want to type that. I am a chosen generation. Come on, say this, say this after me. Just follow me. Say, I am a royal priesthood. Come on, you might want to type that. You might want to type that. You're a royal priesthood. You're of a royal priesthood. Come on, watch this. Say this, say this, or type this. Say, I am of a holy nation. Yes, and then finally, we're going to end up, and you're going to hear this a little differently. You're his own special people. Say, I am a peculiar person. I am a peculiar person. Yeah, type that, type that, peculiar person. Not that you're a strange person. You're just different, praise God. You're not strange. Nothing's wrong with you. You're just different, praise God. And we should celebrate our differences. Aren't you glad that there's nobody else on the planet like you? Glory to God. I'm different. I'm peculiar. I'm not strange. I'm peculiar. Amen. So I want to draw your attention, if you would, to, to a series of phrases that the Apostle Peter uses here. And this is where we're going to be studying and taking our time to minister to you from. Each one of these phrases is a descriptor descriptor to the function of the church, which is drawn from Old Testament sources like Isaiah 43 and 21. You might want to just type that in for me, Isaiah 43 and 21. You make a note of that so that you can go back and read that at your own time and your own leisure. And then also Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6, Exodus 19, 5 through 6. Somebody type that in for us. The promise that God made to Moses was on the basis of the people obeying his voice and keeping his covenant. Two key words that stand out, please hear me obeying and covenant. It is based on us obeying his voice and keeping his covenant. Obedience is still better than sacrificial. Obedience is still better than sacrifice. Now, the letter A, a chosen generation. A chosen generation. Allow me to pull over and park on this curb for a few minutes because I need to spend a little time right here. There has been much to do about the different generations that are around now. We have the GI generation, those born before 1936. We have the silent generation those born from 1937 to 1945. We have the baby boomers, those born from 1946 to 1964. I'm the end of the baby boomers, praise God. We have the Gen X, praise God, those born from 1965 to 1976. Then we have the millennials, those born from 1977 to 1993. Then we have Gen Z, praise God, those born 1994 and beyond. So we have all these generations that God is now speaking to, and we know from Scripture that God is a generational God. He's very generational. Watch this. Watch this. He says we are a chosen generation. No one can disqualify the one that he has chosen. There is nobody that can disqualify the one that he has chosen. So regardless of the generation that you were born in, it doesn't matter what your year demarcation is, you have been chosen. You've been chosen, and He chose you to function in a very particular way. And I need that to settle in your heart that your generation, the generation that you were a part of, was chosen by God for such a time as this. Yes, you were. You were born at the right time, in the right season, for the right reason. Praise God. Based on His covenant, He has offered you and I a special relationship. For us, and as long as we accept, accept the terms and conditions that He has set forth, I, I, I want you to really hear me there. We have to be willing to accept His terms and His conditions in order for us to benefit from the covenant and the promises that He's made to us. It's on His terms and it's His conditions. You and I do not get to dictate the basis on which this covenant will work. All you got to do is go back and look at Exodus 19 and 5, and you will see it's on his terms. Now, from this, from this, from this chosen generation, we can determine that believers are chosen for three things. And if you're taking notes, if you're writing something down, if you're typing this, you can put this down there. Number one, we're chosen for privilege. Yeah, 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 yeah. You and I have been chosen for privilege. What do you mean, man of God? This means that we have been given an advantage. Can you type that? I have an advantage. You have an advantage in life because you have been chosen by God, an advantage over others. Praise God. Watch this. You have an advantage. That means an opportunity to do something special or enjoyable because of your position in Christ. (laughs) You don't have an advantage because you're something wonderful, even though you're marvelous. I know you're marvelous and all that, but you have an advantage because of your position in Christ. Therefore, whenever we get out of position, we lose our advantage. You might want to keep that in mind. You might want to keep that in mind. So very important. Watch this. We are his friend, and he is our friend. You've heard the song, I am a friend of God. Yes, you are a friend of God because of the position that you have in Christ. You are not ordinary like everybody else. I don't know if you that makes you feel good, but I'm so glad that God did not make me ordinary. I'm extraordinary, praise God. I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. So I want you to understand, you don't want anybody to put you in some hole because they want you to be like somebody else. You're very peculiar. You're not like anybody else. When you have faith in the Lord Jesus, it levels the playing field for those who were not given advantage in life based on their color, based on their financial situation, Or based on their family lineage, praise God. We've been hearing a lot about this white privilege and all these privileges. That means nothing when it comes to Jesus Christ. We have been given an advantage regardless of all those things. And I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me. The second thing, the second thing you and I have been chosen for is for obedience. Mm -hmm. You've been chosen, number one, for privilege. You've been chosen, number two, for obedience. When you have privilege, with privilege comes responsibility. Oh, yeah. With privilege comes responsibility. Humanity was never created like robots. We have been given our own will. You and I were created with a will to choose to do what is right or what is wrong. It's our choice. Life is always choice driven. Where you are in life presently is as a result of your choices you've made previously. So life is choice driven. So you need to understand. Therefore, you and I get to choose our actions. We get to choose our actions. However, as a child of God, your life should be lived to do as God would like, not as you would like. Uh, I should get some hearts right there. I should get some love right there. I should get extra hearts right there because I had to deliver that to you and make you aware that you don't get to live your life as you choose. You get to live your life as he's chosen it for you. That means you and I have to learn to surrender to him. We have to surrender. Come on, don't, don't, don't short me on those hearts. I need lots of hearts right there. I need to know you still love me. You still love me. Number three, number three, the third thing, the third thing you and I have been chosen for, we have been chosen for service, for service. Number one, you was chosen for privilege. Number two, you was chosen for obedience. Number three, you're chosen for service. As a child of God, you and I are his servant, and we serve at the pleasure of our king. Come on, can you type amen right there? I serve at the pleasure of of the king. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I serve at the pleasure of the king. I love that. I love the way that sounds. You and I then can be used for the purposes of God. God can choose to use you and I Anytime he desires, whenever he has need of it. Listen, even right now, there is no better time for you to make yourself available to God for God to use you. Because you're his servant. Say that, I'm his servant. Come on, type that in. I'm his servant. Yes, you are. You're his servant. So we have said, number one, you are a chosen generation. Number two, you are a royal Priesthood, a royal priesthood. Mm, mm, mm. Because you and I serve at the pleasure of our king, we are representing his kingdom. Since we serve at the pleasure of the king, we are representing his kingdom. L- please listen closer. You got to tune in. Come closer, come closer, come closer. I need you to hear this. Come closer. You're not serving at the pleasure of a donkey. You're not serving at the pleasure of an elephant. You're serving at the pleasure of the king. There is no sides in the kingdom. There is one side, his. So we serve at his pleasure. Yeah, I know you might be one or the other, but when it comes to the kingdom, you have to be a kingdom citizen first. We serve at the king's privilege. Let's look at the priestly portion. I want us to look at the priestly portion because when you talk about being a royal priesthood, the royal priesthood are the ones that serve at the pleasure of the king. But notice there's the priesthood. So we got to look at this function as as a priest. As a priest, you have access to God and are responsible to bring others to him. Yes, 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 yes. You have access to God. Say access or type that in, access. You have access to God and you have the responsibility to bring others to him. We have been given the right to approach God. Do you understand that? You don't need anybody else to bring you to God. You can go to God for yourself. Thank God that he has made that opportunity available to us. Praise God. Over in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, if you'll make a left turn or scroll, scroll uh, so that you can get to Ephesians 3. Ephesians chapter number 3, I want to read this to you. Ephesians 3 and verse number 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Watch this. Watch this. As a priest, as a priest, you and I have an incredible responsibility. We have an incredible responsibility. I also want you to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, but I need you to look at that in the message translation. You look that up in your own. That's your homework. That's your assignment when we finish. You look at it, Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16 from the message translation. All of us as believers can access God, which in turn makes us a priest. <laughs> Because we have been given access to God, that makes us a priest, which is the Latin word pontife. Latin word pontifex, P-O-T-I-F-E-X, P-O-T-I-F-E-X. This is very, very important. You and I are priests, and it comes from the Latin word pontifex, and that word simply means, watch this, a bridge builder. Type, I am a bridge builder. Come on, can those of you that are here say that? I am a bridge builder. We are to build bridges for others to cross so that they can come to God. You and I have that responsibility. And as a bridge builder, you do not pick and choose who crosses your bridge. Your bridge is readily available for whoever needs to come across the bridge so they can get closer to God. This is not one of those drawbridges that you get to raise up because you don't like the person trying to come across. Praise God, you don't have that control. Your bridge has to stay down so that other people can cross over and so that they can reach God, just as you have had the privilege and opportunity to reach God because somebody was a bridge for you. My, my, my. Say, I am a bridge builder. Your influence, your influence, please hear me closely, because oftentimes those of you out there, you may not think that you have influence. But I want you to know you have great influence. And your influence can bring someone else hope and peace. How about even right now? Even right now, there are so many people who need hope and peace. You could be the bridge for their hope and peace to show up. Don't minimize the influence that God has. Listen, if you're going to be on social media, why not use it for good? We got enough bad. We got enough bad news. We got enough that's going on that's going to cause people's emotions to be downcast. Why not be lifters? Let's lift others up while we're on on social media. Come on, man. You have influence. Being a priest, watch this, being a priest means you are responsible to bring an offering to God. Stay stay with me, stay with me. Don't get off, don't get off, stay with me. I want you to clearly understand. I don't want you to lose sight or or lose focus on where I'm going. You have no idea where I'm about to go. But as a priest, you are responsible to bring God an offering. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. See, sometimes we forget that we have responsibilities to God. Watch this. Watch this. I want you to stay with me so that you can catch this. To bring an offering to God simply means that as a believer, you have to offer your walk, your worship. Mm -mm -mm. I said you have to offer your walk, your worship, and your work to God. Yeah. Yeah. That's the offering that you owe God. You owe God your walk. You can't just give him your conversation or your talk. Everybody knows how to put on a good conversation. But your walk needs to line up with your talk. So you owe God your walk as an offering. Then you owe God your worship. Ah, you were created to worship him. You were created for worship. so your worship is an offering unto God. And finally, then you are to offer unto God your work, baby. You are to offer God your work. Those of you that have been working that has been serving in the hospitals, thank you so much for your work, your, your labor of love. The Bible says that in everything that we do, we do it unto the Lord. See, if we're waiting for the applauses of men, we may get discouraged because they may not give us the kudos that we need, but we do everything to the glory of God. I offer my work to God. So whatever your work is, you may be a daycare worker. You do it unto the Lord. You may be picking up trash. You be the best person in the world that collects the trash because you do it unto the Lord. You may be a doctor. Be the best doctor there is because you do it unto the Lord. I offer my work. I offer my worship. And I offer my walk to God. Yes, that's what we owe him. Every child of God has to offer those three things as a priest to God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We'll visit that other piece later. We'll visit that later. I want you to look at, if you don't mind, Colossians 3 and 23. I want you to read that from the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation, Colossians 3 and 23. I think that speaks really well of what we want to communicate. Watch this now. You are chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood and now you are a holy nation. A holy nation. Being holy simply means being different. We are different. Can you put that in? I am different. <laughs> yes, I am different. Those of you with me say I am different. I am different. You are not like anybody else on the planet. You have to to become comfortable being the best original you there is. You should not waste any time trying to become a carbon copy of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Being a holy nation simply means that we are different. And when I say we are different, notice I didn't say we're better than anybody else. We're not better than anyone else. We're just different from others. And that needs to be said. That needs to be communicated. Because sometimes people can misinterpret, I believe, our heart. And sometimes our attitude hasn't been the best where people might mistake that we feel like or we think we're better than others. Not better than, just different from. Just different from. He's making all of us better. (laughs) He's making all of us better. Some choose to follow the standards that the world give. But you and I, we are to follow the standards of the kingdom of heaven, which supersedes all other standards. That's what being different and being a holy nation is all about. It simply means that although you are in the world, you are not of this world. And though, although there are laws in the land that you and I have to follow, Anytime the law of the land goes against the law of God, you and I are to go with the law of God every time because his law supersedes, everybody say supersedes, supersedes all other standards. Now, now we have discovered we are we are a chosen generation. We are royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. And here's where we're going to. Here's where we're going to pull up and park. I'm coming into the driveway. We're coming into the driveway. Finally, we are special people. (laughs) Can you just type that? I'm special. Yes, 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 yes. No, no. If you can make it italicized, italicized. I'm special. People need to understand that you and I are special. We are not ordinary. We are special. Please tune in. Tune in. Listen closely. The value of a thing lies in the fact that someone has possessed it. Oh, my God, I could get excited right there and run all over this place. I could run everywhere right now. The value of a thing lies in the fact that someone has possessed it. Did you catch that? mm The value of a thing lies in the fact that someone has possessed it. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm coming into the driveway. I'm, I'm pulling in. I'm turning in right now. In other words, watch this. In other words, a very ordinary thing acquires a new value if it has been possessed by some famous person. Oh, y'all, y'all got to get this. You got to get this, man. My goodness. A very ordinary thing acquires a new value if it has been possessed by some famous person. In the early 80s, some of you will remember this, some of you remember this. In the early 80s, Michael Jackson wore a white glove on the stage. Y'all remember the white glove? Y'all remember the white glove Mike had? When he had the white glove, Mike was going to break out and reveal for the first time who remembers. The moonwalk. He was breaking out the moonwalk for the first time and he had the white glove on. I want you to listen at this. Watch this. He moonwalked all across the floor in that white glove. Not too many years ago, that white glove was auctioned off and it sold for $350,000. No, no, no. A white glove. It sold for $350,000. Why did it sell for that amount? Because of the person who possessed it. Woo! You better listen. You better listen. I'm coming down your street. I'm coming down your street. I'm about to knock on your door. I'm on your block. Watch this. Watch this. Listen closely. Listen. Stay with me. The first book written in the United States of America. Listen to this. It was written in 1640. It sold just a few years back for $14,120,000. It's called the Book of Psalm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Book of Psalm out of the Bible. The church, uh, Old South Church in Boston has another copy of it. I don't think you heard me. The book sold for 14000000 My, 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 my. The value of that book. Now, you and I know a book probably should not cost $14 million. Well, well, maybe you'll write a book. Maybe you'll write a book, and maybe one day your book will cost that much. Praise God, maybe I'll write a book. Maybe I'll write a book, and my book will cost that much. Listen, all I want you to understand is this right here. The King James Bible uses a very interesting word. It uses the word peculiar. Can you say that? Peculiar. The word peculiar simply means belonging distinctively or primarily to one person. I thought y'all would start hitting amen so hard right there. I thought y'all would hit all those hearts right there because you heard what I said. Those of you that are here with me, I don't even think you heard it. Watch this. Peculiar. Belonging distinctively or primarily to one person. Let me bring it on home. Let me bring it on home. You and I happen to belong to the most famous person there is. (laughs) You and I happen to belong to the most famous person that is. Pastor, why is that important? Because the value of a thing lies in the fact that someone has possessed it. You and I have been possessed by Jesus himself. And because he is the most famous person on the planet, that means that our value is not determined by the numbers that appears on the check that we receive. I don't think you heard what I said. Your value is not determined by the numbers on the check that you receive. Your value is so priceless, you have to show up everywhere you go and say, I'm here to be a blessing. I am here to be a blessing because I am blessed to be a blessing. You can't afford me because God has placed a value on me that nobody else can determine. My value has been predetermined by God. Here's the good news of that. Listen to me. Don't you dare allow anybody else to try to tell you what value you have. They didn't create you. They are not responsible for you, so they can't determine your value. The truth is they don't even have the words to speak of the value that you are. Let that sit down on the inside of you. Don't allow no one to put you down for who you are. Don't allow anybody to put you down before the choices you make. You are valuable to God. I said you are valuable to God. Watch this. How dare we allow others to cheapen our value when he has already raised our stock to agree that's unaffordable by others. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, as we're bringing this thing home, I want you to always remember, always remember that you have been chosen by God for a function. There is a function that you have, a responsibility that you and I have in this earth. remember that you are a chosen generation. You was chosen for privilege, you've been chosen for obedience, and you've been chosen for service. You are a royal priesthood, child of God. You are of a royal priesthood. You are of a holy nation. You are different, praise God. And you are God's special people. You are peculiar. The value that you have in life cannot be determined by someone else. Your value has unlimited value in it. I want you to stay with me. I want to have a moment of prayer. Those of you that are with me, if you would, maybe, maybe you are out there and you're listening to me. I so appreciate you joining in with us from all over the world. Thank you so much for joining in, for tuning in. But hear my heart. Listen to me. Maybe you're out there and you don't recognize the value that you have. And you may not recognize that value because you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Well, hear me, hear me. You can resolve that right now. I'm going to pray a special prayer, and you can close that gap right now in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're out there, and maybe you would say, Pastor, at one time I had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But life situations and life circumstances, they simply pushed me afar. They pushed me away from it. And now I have moved my life in a direction completely opposite of that of God. And I need to come back. When I'm saying God, I'm talking about the Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. There's only one way to heaven, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can have your relationship restored. He's always been standing at knocking at the door, going in and out, looking, pursuing those who have backslidden or walked away from the relationship. Once you join me in prayer, believers pray with us. Father, I thank you that you never forgot about my life. Although I have been far from you, today I recognize that I want to be at peace and at home with you. Father, I renounce the devil in all his ways. I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. I am yours and you are mine. Lord, I ask you to sit on the throne of my life, direct my path, And write my name in the Lamb's book of life for the balance of my days. Father, I thank you that as I have returned unto you, thank you that you never forgot me. Thank you that you never left me nor forsake me. I thank you, Lord God, that I am now returning to you. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Let my life overflow with this new life. And may I live the rest of my days to serve you with my whole heart. In Jesus' name, I give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. And everybody in agreement said amen. Type amen, amen, amen. Listen, don't swine off, don't tune off because we have one thing left to do. And I want to make sure that we get that taken care of. Did you enjoy the word this morning? Did you get something from this word? Come on, praise God. Give God some praise. You got something out of this word.